Ah, uh, yes, that sound means it's time for another Wisports.net podcast. I'm Travis Wilson, general manager at Wisports.net, and your host for the WSN podcast each and every week. I'm not hosting alone this week, though. Uh, not one guest, not two, but three joining me shortly as we're going to put a bow on the high school basketball season for 2020-2021. And uh, why don't we get right to it? Uh, joining us, our, our entire staff, our, our full staff at WSN, we have Mark Miller, our boys basketball writer, Norbert Durst, our girls basketball writer and content manager, and Colton Wilson, our content producer at WSN. Is, uh, is we're going to put, uh, again, a little bit of a wrap on the season, talk about how things went, talk about the changes to the season structure, to the state tournament, and uh, you know just kind of how things felt. Um, got a, a chance to catch up with Norbert a couple weeks ago and, and get his take on it, but uh, going to hear from Mark and, and Colton and, and just cover a few other topics as well. So, gentlemen, let's jump right into it. And, uh, you know, I, I think, you know, as, as we go back and look at where things stood where we were at, where basketball was at in, say, October, November time frame, it, it sure feels leaps and bounds different now in, in you know the last couple of weeks at the state tournament than it did back then. Um, Mark, it, 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 it just it, it seems uh, you know almost too good to be true of what we got in for a season and what we got in for a state tournament. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, the I was looking at the, <clears throat> the, the COVID rates the other day, and, you know, when we started the season, they were pretty darn high, and when we ended the season, they were very low. So, you know, that's very encouraging for as we go forward here uh, into the spring. And, you know, looking back, it's you feel, uh, I think all the schools and the coaches and the players and the parents and everyone involved should should take a bow for for making this season happen um it wasn't easy you know there were a lot of cancellations and postponements and playing multiple games in a week and you know not a lot of practice time and uh so there were stops and starts and you know uh it was a little bit helter skelter but the season did happen the, the seniors in particular got their opportunity to to play their final year of high school basketball so um all things considered, you know, for both the boys and the girls, I, I think it was a highly successful winter sports season. Norbert, we, we talked uh, about this in, in pretty good length a couple weeks ago, but um, just kind of circling back on that conversation, I mean, expectations from, you know, November when the season started to what the what the, actually happened in the year and at the state tournament, how, how different was that for you? Uh, again, what you thought might might be the case compared to what we actually got for a season. Well, I think you got to say that they exceeded the expectations most people would have, even people within you know close situations within schools, ads, and whatnot. Just because you know there was you know so many things in play there, um, dealing with a pandemic and something obviously we've never had to deal with before, and you know able to being able to navigate through a year that. You know, especially with fall sports, you know, not really having uh, the same feel, you know, some getting pushed to spring, um, having everyone or for the most part, everyone playing that was able to play um, just made it feel like it was, you know, somewhat back to normal by the time we got to the end of the season. So that was just really nice to see those kids have a chance to to play for a gold ball and, you know, to get for the most part a full season in. Colton, your uh, perspective was a, a little bit different than uh, than some of ours, at least here on this call, in, in that you're a coach, um, you know, in in the mix, uh, the JV coach, boys basketball coach at Richland Center. Um, 
you know, how different were things and how different did it feel at the start of the year when practices began and the first few games compared to what you guys ended up at, you know, at the end of the year and in those tournament games? How, how different was that feeling, uh, the environment around the games and in the practices and, and just the program itself? Obviously, it started off pretty different. Um, masks were, were, were worn, um, telling kids almost every five minutes at the beginning of the season to keep their masks up sanitizing everything before in between and after and that just felt kind of like a task towards the beginning but as the year went on it just was something that was part of the routine it was something that we did um as far as in-game wise it was weird in initially only having 50 to 100 fans in the stands but it also led to a little bit more focus on what was happening in the game um the kids I felt were a little bit more they knew what was important there wasn't so much outside noise and even though even though you didn't get the big game feels in certain instances the kids felt that so it was it was a nice progression throughout the year Mark as as you were at some games this year um, you know how how different were the environments, depending on where you went, uh, you know, whether it was the number of fans that they allowed or, you know, how the benches were set up or how the games were conducted, how, how big of a gamut was there uh, for some of the regular season games that, that you were able to take in? It was a pretty big gamut, actually. I, I think, um, you know, some, some places had no fans um, and, and the teams were across the way. And, um, you know, I was fortunate enough to get in uh, a few places because of the media connection. Um, others had just a smattering of fans. Um, and then, you know, there were a few that had uh, about half the gyms full. <laughs> so um, it kind of ran the gamut. I think toward the end of the year, more fans were there than at the beginning of the year. And, um, you know, it was different because you didn't have a lot of student sections. Um, and that always that always leads to excitement and, and uh, brings a, an element of, of uh, you know, of, of uh just being at a, at, a, at a great rivalry type game uh, amongst two high schools located fairly close to each other, um, that always adds to the atmosphere and the enthusiasm of the contest. So we didn't have that as much this year. Even at the state tournament, you know, the, the student sections were there, but they, they certainly weren't like they have been in past years. So um, I thought that was odd and strange. Obviously, the kids wearing masks and everyone in the, in the gym wearing a mask was, was, uh, was, was, you know, very unusual. Um, you know, very few concession stands and bands. In fact, I don't know if I heard a band all year. Um, and uh, you know, so a lot of changes. But at the at the end of it, you know, at least you got a chance to watch guys from Wauwatosa East win a state title. Are you know uh, Nathan Slaughter of Lourdes making the basket at the buzzer to win a state championship? So. Um, those type of things, you know, you'll remember and you don't really even think about the masks and things like that when those things are going on. But I think everyone is really hoping and praying that, you know, we get back to a regular type season next year where teams get more practice time and they can work on things a little bit more. They're not rushed into playing games in such a short window that we have conference uh, standings and, uh, and rivalries and races for titles. I think I'm putting in the all-conference teams right now, as I'm sure Norbert is too, for the girls. And you know, there's a good good handful that didn't even pick all-conference teams because they had no conference standings. 
um, and that's another loss for, for the kids. Um, so uh, let's hope we get back to the regular way next year. Um, and uh, we'll never forget this year. I, I'm pretty sure of that. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll never forget it. Uh, in many ways, you know, at least we'll remember this year, I think in many ways more positively than, than 2020 when we had to cancel the state tournaments. Even though there was this teams that didn't play, the Madison schools, the Milwaukee schools, a couple others sprinkled in here or there, I, I think overall we will take you know, what happened in 2021 over what happened in 2020, uh, in, in large part, um, you know, Colton, Mark talked about some of the changes that had to happen in, uh, the, the teams and, and things like that. What, what did you guys have to do differently this year as a, as a program in terms of preparation, practice planning, the logistics of, of running a program, what, what all changes had to happen to make things work this year? A lot of our practices, we dumbed it down a little bit, I guess would be the term. Um, not so much scrimmaging, not so much a lot of a lot of skill work, especially early on when the pandemic was more prevalent. Um, but we, as far as practice went, we got to we we kept it all together. In years past, it been you split the boys up um, from time slots, but we didn't necessarily mix too much of the group. So we didn't have too much playing up or playing down. We tried to keep everything separate. So that way, if there was some sort of contact, it didn't affect the whole program. Now I can say that that was very different than we played Mount Horeb towards the end of the season and talking to their coaches there. What they had to go through was a completely different ballgame than what we did. Even in their practices, seeing they practiced it at the school, everything had to be individualized. They couldn't do any one-on-one, two-on-two, three-on-three, any sort of scrimmages like that. So, I mean, we were fortunate in the sense that we were able to do a little bit of that in practice. We're continuing our conversation about how this season went. Uh, Norbert Durst, our girls basketball manager, Mark Miller, our boys basketball writer, uh, Colton Wilson continuing our conversation here. Norb, we talked about this many times during the year, uh, just how uh, how much explosion there was in the use of live streaming and uh, schools getting in uh, that, you know, embracing the technology and embracing that, um, you know, that, that uh, ability to share their games with the community at large and, and anyone around the world, really. And uh, as we've talked about, we, we certainly hope that's something that continues. Um, hopefully fewer people have to rely on that. Hopefully more people obviously can get to games in the future. But it sure seems like this, this uh, explosion of live streaming is here to stay. Yeah, it certainly does. And, you know, it's probably a little bit behind as far as, you know, having all the games available. But, you know, it, it really, um, the pandemic really made the teams small or big, go out and, you know, figure out how, how to get their games online and it's great for the kids obviously the families uh, family and friends also just in recruitment because you know uh, college coaches couldn't go to games either so they relied a lot on those streaming um, opportunities as, as well and you know some better than others but it still gave kids the opportunity to even though the coach might not have been there to you know play the game and and hopefully uh, get a little attention in the process and uh, some some great opportunities to do that here in Wisconsin. Many schools took advantage of the uh, the, the services of Just a Game uh, and, and our partners there, Just a Game Live, uh, and, and Jade Royston and 
some of them used the NFH, uh, NFHS network. Some of them used uh, Facebook, uh, YouTube. There was a number of other options that were available, um, and it, it did seem to accelerate, you know, that adoption. And quite honestly, I, I hope that continues, and, and I hope that opens up and I uh, and encourages that idea of more openness and more transparency and more everything. Um, and that coaches that maybe were hesitant to enter stats on wisports.net because they didn't want to get scouted now recognize and realize that, you know what, every one of my games is out there in the, in the ether to, to be viewed by whoever wants to, and it didn't kill our program. So maybe we can put stats on WSN after all, and it, it won't be such a bad thing. Um, you know, the season continued in, in, and as I mentioned, it, it seemed like things you know, protocols and fan guidelines and limits and things loosened up over the course of the year. Uh, but I, I don't know that any of us expected the state tournaments to be like what we ended up getting. Um, you know, we knew they weren't going to be at the Kohl Center and they weren't going to be at the Rush Center. And for a long, long time, it, it looked like we were going towards state tournaments that were going to be held at three or even five different locations and a, a, you know, a good-sized high school gym and everything was going to be very fragmented. Um, you know, the possibility of not all games being live on statewide TV. Um, so to end up where we did with every game on TV, the schedule being largely the same as what we've had in the past, uh, two good-sized venues that provided a great atmosphere for the games, um, I, I don't think that was really an expectation that I had anyway. Uh, Mark, you know, as, as we were going through that process of, of trying to figure out where the WI was going to hold these, uh, how, how different was what we ended up with compared to what maybe you thought it might be in, in early January when we were kind of unsure where things were going to go? Well, I think it ended up in, in a better place than maybe where I thought it might be. Um, you know, just having the two locations um, at least you got to see some multiple games. Um, uh, so, uh, and I, I thought the facilities were at least the one in Oshkosh where I attended was outstanding. Um, you know, it was a, a neat floor, uh, you know, um, the facility itself, you know, uh, what was big enough to, to space people out. And yet it was also small enough to, to create a, an exciting atmosphere. Um, you know, having it in Oshkosh was kind of, kind of obviously different, but um, I think it was kind of kind of neat in a way too. Um, Oshkosh and, and La Crosse are, are two mid-sized cities in our state, but um, I think that the, uh, they're places that people like to go to and visit and kind of explore. It's not Madison, it's not Milwaukee or, or Green Bay, but it's uh, I, I think in their own way, uh, for this year anyway, uh, they did an outstanding job. And I think just having the two, the two locations instead of four or five, um, Gave, gave it a little bit more of a state feel than had we had it in high school gyms and had, you know, three, four, five locations. So all things considered, I thought it worked out very well. Norb, you were at, uh, in, in Osh, or excuse me, in La Crosse for the girls' state tournament up there. Uh, what were your thoughts on, on that facility and, and how it ended up working out? Yeah, I thought it was a great facility. You know, that was my first time there. Um, you know, we talked about, uh, was it last week on the podcast, just how that, that, er, that lower level in that uh, second deck was, you know, looked as if, you know, there weren't as many fans there. You know, there are certain things that maybe didn't look as nice from, you know, the, the TV viewing part. But, you know, I thought as far as, you know, the, uh, the availability of the, the facility, the space that it allowed for the amount of fans that, 
that could be in there. And, you know, it still was able to have excitement, you know, like Mark said, you know, not too big of a, of a facility where, you know, that uh, the small amount of fans, just having a thousand fans would make it, you know, seem very bare. But, you know, I thought, you know, um, given the sizes that certainly helped make it feel like a state tournament because like you guys said, you know, if the if it was at five different venues, it would feel a little bit more like a sectional final type game. And, you know, us as media members and, you know, other fans of basketball, you know, having the chance to watch more than just one game really made it, it, it end up being great. And I thought the facility was, was a, you know, stand-up job as far as how they coordinated the events. One of the questions that, that I got on Twitter, and, and you guys probably did as well, and I think we talked about this last, last time as well, Norb, but um, people asked if this was uh, something to consider, you know, as a permanent option or uh, – Maybe not two different locations, but one of these locations as a uh, as a, a possible option, uh, perhaps not for the boys, uh, but for the girls maybe. Uh, Norb, uh, we we again we might have even talked about this, but thoughts on one or both of these locations uh, or this setup of multiple locations as a more permanent solution for the girls basketball state tournament. I'd still like to see you know the bigger venue like the Rush Center. You know, give us more fans the opportunity to watch more games, um, add to the excitement of all the games and the players competing. As we talked about, you know, earlier in the year, the fans, uh, the players kind of had to make their own excitement. A little easier for the players, you know, to go out there and just worry about the game and have the fans be able to give them support. But, you know, I would be all for having, if they were able to do something with those two venues, as far as sectional games, you know, it's, um, it hasn't happened in my time at West Sports, but... Um, you know, those Super Tuesday type type uh, games, you know, have something where you can see a couple sectional finals in, in those venues. And I think that would. Oh, add. boy. Oh, boy. Norb, you just got you just got swore at by all the D1 coaches mentioning <laughs> Super Tuesday. Yeah, well, you know, that happens a little bit with the D1 coaches because there's been a lot of uh, things with the divisions and such. But, you know, it maybe not a, a necessarily a Super Tuesday type fit, but, you know, something where you can have more than one game at a nice event um, where you can just have a lot more fans being able to go to those games. You know, as, as I guess the only one of us that was at both locations uh, for, for the state tournaments, I was in Oshkosh for the girls' tournament and in lacrosse for the boys' tournament. Um, and I've been at, uh, you know, the Cole Center for the state tournaments, the Rush, the Rush Center, the Alliant Energy Center. Um, you know, as I've said before, uh, I, I think these these two locations this year were outstanding fill-ins. They they stepped up to the plate. They provided great atmospheres. Their hospitality was outstanding. Uh, from the the facilities people, from the uh, you know the, the chambers of commerce and the tourism groups uh, were were outstanding. But I agree, Norb. I, I think the the best fit for the girls' state tournament remains at the Rush Center uh, as long as the Cole Center is not available and, and UW doesn't have any. Uh, you know, doesn't seem to be uh, pushing towards making that available. I believe the WIA signed a, an extension on that Rush Center deal through 2025 or 2026, something like that. So, you know, any talk of moving is is still quite a ways down the road. Um, but yeah, let's try to get some sectional games there. Let's try to get maybe some in-season events there, as they do at the Lacrosse Center with uh, with the Midwest Players Classic. Let's try to do some things that way, but in a regular year with the big, uh, you know, fan sections that we would have, 
the the Cole Center for the boys, the Rush Center for the girls uh, continue to make the most sense, I think. Um, Mark, we, we have talked about this as well. Uh, some of the other in-season changes that were made by the WIAA, uh, and there were a lot of them. It wasn't just the state tournament going to two locations. It was the divisions being revised to more equalize the, the number of teams in each division. It was changes to how sectionals worked in terms of reseeding at the sectional level. It was changes to the regional groupings where they were smaller groupings. Um, these are all things that, that uh, it, it's interesting to see if they will continue or if any of these things will continue. Perhaps not right away this year, but you know, sometimes it takes a couple of times for, for uh, proposals to be brought forward before they're approved. And I know the WBCA is, is looking into it and, and talking amongst their membership to determine if any of these things are, are, are things they would like to adopt. And then, of course, it would be brought forward through the WIA committee process. But uh, out of some of these changes, you know, what, what are things that you think make sense to look at continuing? And what are things uh, maybe that have a realistic shot of being things that are continued? Yeah, um, I think the um, placement of teams within the regionals uh, that happened this year won't stick. Um, I just think that just doing it purely on geography is not the answer. Um, and you have to look no further than Division One, where you have the two Brookfield schools and Tosi East uh, in, in one regional, a five-team regional, and those were three of the better teams in the state. So what I'd like to see happen is uh, have some flexibility um, between the Madison, Milwaukee, and Fox Valley uh, areas to, to move teams around um, so you're not getting the best teams all in one sectional. Uh, so how, how would how would you do that though, Mark? Uh, well, you know, is that something you know, that you that you look at before the year, or is that something that you adjust in season, or do you yeah. try to move teams based on their record? Like, what 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 would be a practical way to implement something like that to try to balance out the the strength of some of those sectionals and in teams? I think what would be uh, I think it'd be hard to do it uh, during the season because we did that this year and it it, it led to some uh, you know some Fusion, some anger, um, some frustration because, uh, you know, you had been scouting and kind of planning to play in this division against these teams and all of a sudden uh, midstream you're, you're now up a division and you're playing against a whole new group of teams. So, you know, I think there's some guidelines that you could use from year to year. For example, um, you know, have teams from the same city uh, perhaps in different sections um, or from, you know, don't group all the, the teams from each conference in the same sectional. So maybe you split up the big eight between, uh, you know, the Madison area sectional and, and maybe down in Milwaukee or you split up the FVA and the Fox Valley with, with the North Shore. Or, you know, the, I think the WBCA would need to come up with how you can do that um, and, and give that recommendation to the WIAA. Um, I know that the WI still would like to have uh, representation from different parts of the state. And I, I don't think anyone would, would necessarily be against that. But to have three of the best teams in one regional certainly was not the answer this year either. Um, and because the travel is, is not bad between Milwaukee, Madison, and the Fox Valley area, um, I do think you can mix that up a little bit um, and, and, and try to get, you know, at least, uh, you know, I, I always think that the state tournament should be a showcase. It should showcase the best that we have to offer. And, and of course, you know, many, many times it does. But um, 
you know, many times it doesn't, unfortunately. And I think it's particularly felt at the large school level. Um, the, the best players and the best teams aren't always at the state tournament. I think we have great representation at the lower levels, but I think it would be nice to have more of the high-profile kids participate in the state tournament after earning their way in at, at, the, at the large school level. Whether that means that we have eight teams in Division One and, and, we, and we expand Division One from the current 68 to 70 teams that it currently is to you know maybe 80 or 90 teams, um, I think that would be a fair possibility. Um, there's a lot of things on the table. There's a lot of things being discussed. A lot of coaches in the state are coming up with kind of their, their ideal scenario. Um, but what you have to keep in mind, and I'm sure the WIA does this, is that you have to do what's best for the most schools possible. You can't just do what's best for your individual school. Um, and, and with that in mind, you also want to do what's best for for the entire state tournament to make it something, um, a showcase, you know, the, the end of the year uh, showcase that it, that it can be. So, for example, this year, the Greater Metro by far was our best conference. It would have been okay to have two teams from that league in the state tournament, but the way it was set up, that wasn't going to happen necessarily. So, um, you know, there's no easy answer. There's well, we, no we right could have, we answer. could have, right, if Sussex Hamilton would have got there? Well, yeah, that's true. Um, but there, there's no easy answer. There's no right or wrong answer. Um, but I do think that someone needs to take a leadership role on trying to structure this the proper way. Um, I thought that the Division Five this year w- w- was, was good in the sense that it really represented our smallest schools. Um, and in the past, the Division Five teams had been the teams like Lourdes and Sheboygan Lutheran and teams along those lines that that you know have a little bigger enrollment than the Wazikas and um, you know Stockbridge got to go to a sectional for the first time, and we have so many schools that are under 150 or 116 enrollment. I think that they deserve their own um, their own division, and when you put that from 150 down instead of 200 down it makes a big difference for those smaller schools to really feel like they have an opportunity to to get to Madison or wherever the state tournament is held. So, um, and then in the long run, kind of like what happens in football, those lower level teams are, are start are going to, you know, start to put more time and effort into it because they feel like, you know, there's a realistic chance maybe to, to make some noise in the postseason. So um, those are my thoughts on it. Um, it's kind of rambling a little bit, but <laughs> um that's you know, what like podcasts said, are for, Mark. Yeah, I, I think it's going to be something that, that it will really be discussed a lot this spring. Um, and like you said, Travis, I don't know if it'll go into effect next year, but I think the the long term, how are we going to structure this, what teams are going to be in what divisions, how many teams at state, what's the state tournament schedule going to look like, um, all those things are on the table, and and uh, and I think uh, I think there's time uh, for for some altering of all those things. You mentioned a few things that, that will be challenges as the WI reviews uh, those those ideas and any plans that are brought forward from the WBCA or the basketball coaches uh, committee. And, you know, the, the rub kind of is, the as you said, the WI wants to make a geographic-based, regional-based tournament um, while, you know, trying to get the top teams uh, through. But that's not always uh, obviously easy to do when you have, uh, especially like you said, in the larger divisions, a lot of the uh, the top teams oftentimes are in a very concentrated area. Uh, you have the you know the the rub of people that are, are you know coaches or or others that might be developing plans. Um, 
a lot of times those plans are how can my team benefit? And they don't necessarily take into account the entire picture, the broader picture. And that's what the WBCA and, and the WIA are there for is to, to look at it from a large scale perspective, not just how does this impact my school here in this particular community. Uh, and when it, term, when it comes to you know kind of spreading teams out in sectionals, uh, you heard it here first. Mark Miller is volunteering to assign the teams that will drive from uh, Green Bay to uh, Whitefish Bay to play, uh, while some teams from Green Bay get to stay in their area. That would that would go over perfectly smoothly. There would be no complaints about teams having to drive. So, Mark Miller, happy to do that for the WIA. Yeah, well, you know, they they drive in the summer and they they, they drive for camps and all that. <laughs> Well, they, but, they drive yeah, all over. No, they drive for sense. non-conference games. They, they go all over. But if it, if it comes yeah. to, you know, having to travel 20 minutes longer than this other team next to them or 20 minutes longer than the team they have to play, God forbid, it's the end of the world. Yeah. Uh, like I said, I, I, I think that there needs to be somebody that takes this whole thing uh, uh, and just runs with it and really provides leadership on it. And I, I totally agree with your comment about, you know, it has to be what's best for the vast majority of the schools because no matter what you do, there's always going to be the biggest school in a division and the school that misses out by five students from being in a lower division. That that just, it's just the way it's going to be, you know, but basketball is different than football and track and and soccer, the the sports that have, have to rely on, on a lot of depth and a lot of numbers. So, um, you know, uh, a, a team, a team like Cuba City this year, um, you know, certainly the Houstonford squad this year. Um, you know, they're they're small in, in enrollment, but but the, but they certainly have some pretty very talented players. So um, we'll see where it all goes. Uh, I think this year, you know, in addition to the being the COVID year, uh, the change midstream uh, that the girls and boys uh, experience with, with the WI shifting things uh, to try to mitigate the spread of COVID as much as possible. Uh, open the communication lines for, you know, how the state tournament and the playoffs should look in the future. It, it's interesting, some of these comments that we're, we're having or, or discussions and, uh, you know, some of the things that you get on pushback from some people, it's the same things we get when, uh, when schools start talking about conference realignment, right? It, everybody wants to be the smallest school in their conference and everybody wants to have the shortest drive in their conference. And it's the same thing in the playoffs. Everybody wants to be the largest school in their playoff grouping everybody wants to have the shortest travel in their grouping and if somebody could put together a way that every team in the state was the biggest in their regional or in their uh their division and had the shortest travel man that would uh, solve a lot of problems but uh, uh, alas here we are norb what was the the response from from girls coaches and in, in the girls basketball community to some of these changes that we saw this year and and what are are some thoughts perhaps that that you have heard on uh, you know, instituting some of them, or at least continuing discussions on if any of these things make sense, or or what what could be done uh, in terms of divisional placement, divisional groupings, divisional what have you. Um, it, it, what what are you hearing on the girls' side? You know, obviously, you know, with with some of those groupings, like Mark Mark mentioned, with the Greater Metro Boys, you know, being grouped together, it happened the same thing with the FBA girls, where you know you got those loaded loaded uh, regional groupings and then you know one and in some cases just absolutely loaded sectionals so obviously coaches were upset with that but you know many many coaches had to deal with that some you know as you mentioned may, maybe got the the better end of the stick and 
you know, got placed in a, a better regional grouping, better sectional grouping. But, uh, you know, I think the big thing with a lot, a lot of coaches that I've talked to is just, you know, having uh, those sectionals seated all the way top to bottom. Yeah, I mean, you know, Mark kind of mentioned that. And just not having to, to face some of those regional games that are more sectional type games. I think that's been was the, the biggest uh, of disappointment, I think, as far as the coaches go and the, the, the teams, just because, you know, you want those games to be played in the sectionals instead of regional play. And, you know, maybe if you can seed um, the whole, you know, top to bottom as far as those sectionals go. And you know, obviously it's more difficult when you get down to Division Four and Division Five. Um, seeding top to bottom um, sectionals but you know I think the larger divisions there's opportunities to do that travels a little bit more but you know you guys have said it before too you know everybody traveled during the regular season um, I, and I think you know if you travel one game in the postseason and you know travels more than you want it's still I think better for the game and and better just for the you know the players and the fans and just the community of basketball to play those bigger games later on um, as far as the, you know, divisional part go, you know, I, I think it just depends on who you're talking to. You know, some coaches may have liked the split, how it was, you know, separated equally. You know, definitely not the Division One coaches. Um, but you know, I think a lot with those Division Two coaches that got um, teams that got moved up because really, for the most part, the teams that got moved up didn't have a lot of success compared to where they would have maybe had more success in the division they were in at the start of the season. Colton, what are your thoughts on uh, seeding a sectional 1 through 16 uh, and going with larger sectional groupings and, and going that route compared to going maybe with smaller regional groupings and reseeding at the sectional level like we did this year? Now, having five or six teams in a regional isn't great, um, but you know if we could get eight teams in a regional and then reseed all the sectionals after regionals. Is that, do you think a better option or as, as Norb suggested, some coaches prefer, is it seeding an entire half sectional one through 16? I think the half sectional seems a little bit more plausible in the sense that there was quite a few regional groupings, especially this year. And that might be an anomaly, but were quite a few regionals. One was loaded like that. Brookfield, Wauwatosa grouping. And then there were some in the lower levels that, I mean, teams were coming out with the regional championship with a under 500 record, a well under 500 record. So the disparity there was quite a bit different. So I think seeding that at the sectional level allows the better, bigger games to happen more down the road. Well, guys, we, uh, we've, we've covered a lot of ground here. We've, we've, kind of wrapped up a, a lot of things uh, as, as we finish up this basketball season and uh, move very, very quickly into this alternate spring schedule. But um, want to give us uh, a chance to provide some final thoughts, maybe some things we didn't touch on, um, reaction to this year, what have you. Uh, Mark, we'll start with you as, uh, as our venerable uh, boys basketball reporter. Uh, any final thoughts on the season as we, as we wrap things up here? Um, I guess the final thoughts are that uh, I feel very fortunate and blessed to have the season, like we talked about earlier. Um, a shout out to all the officials that worked uh, during a pandemic. Um, without them, we have no games, obviously. Uh, shout out to the athletic directors across Wisconsin that uh, 
you know, provided for the opportunities for their student athletes to play in a safe, uh, or at least as safe as possible uh, environment with, uh, with all the protocols that were in place at all the gyms this, this winter. Uh, and of course, shout out to the, to the players and coaches uh, for, for making it happen and for, um, you know, for abiding by the rules. And, and uh, uh, it wasn't uh, perfect, but I think by and large, it was, uh, uh, for given the circumstances, it, it was a home run uh, for, for the high school basketball season. So um, going forward, let's hope we can get back to kind of where we've been and, um, and get this pandemic uh, behind us, not only for sports, obviously, but just for life in general and, um, and move forward with, uh, uh, you know, with a regular season next year that uh, maybe doesn't have a fall alternate season. We just have a regular season. It's going to be a very short off season for all of us with the, uh, you know, with sports going to the end of June here and then and then turning around, hopefully, and having a regular fall season, you know, starting in August. So, but that's okay. You know, we want to give the kids that opportunity to play. And um, it's kind of weird seeing teams out there practicing football in March, but that's the way it is. So um, hopefully it'll, it'll uh, come off without too many hitches here the rest of the way. Norman, a normal year we would have about 11,000 combined varsity basketball games in the state of Wisconsin, boys and girls combined. This year uh, we were about 9,000, so down a little bit, but obviously there were some teams that didn't play, and again, some teams that played fewer games than normal. But gosh, you, you got to look at 9,000 varsity games, which means probably ten to 15,000 freshmen and JV and C-team and varsity reserve games in there as well. You have to look that look at that as a, a pretty significant success for everyone involved, the WIA, the coaches, the teams, the schools, the players, uh, everybody involved. Um, it, it's got to be a successful season in general, doesn't it? Yeah, it definitely is a, a successful season, you know, because a lot of things had to work out the right way. But, you know, the, the players did a great job, you know, the, the parents, you know, making sure that they stayed safe as well because of the parents aren't staying safe, community's not staying safe, um, you know, around those fans, you know, you're going to miss out on some games. So I applaud all them. You know, the ADs did a great job, a lot of reschedules this year. Um, you know, just other people that help out, you know, whether it be custodians, other other people running uh, those games, you know, obviously, the, like Mark said, the refs. So I just think, you know, it was, a, it was a team effort as far as getting through this season and, uh, you know, allowing some of those some of those changes and some, you know, things that maybe uh, fans or, or uh, players, parents didn't want to deal with, but they got through it. And, you know, it, it's a huge success because, you know, like I said, it it took a, a whole community, a whole state to do this. And I'm very proud with, of everyone that, that has, uh, you know, helped make it a great season. Colton, any final thoughts as, as you look back over this season? One that was, uh, you know, from, from your perspective as a coach at Richland Center, um, uh, a rewarding one. Uh, it was a tragic one with uh, with uh, official Tracy Krieger uh, passing away shortly after collapsing during one of your games. Um, but a, the conference championship for Richland Center. Um, but again, a, a very different year in many ways as well. What, what are you going to take away from this year as a coach and also from the perspective of, of covering the games and, and covering the sport here at WSN? Overall, just a sense of gratitude to be able to get everything to go off. For the most part, we had everything go off as a program without a hitch. We weren't shut down for any length of time, so that was very nice. Um, the kids, the athletes, they just wanted to play, so they did everything in their power 
to make that happen, whether it was being safe, masking up, social distancing, all that. So a lot of the grumblings that you hear about the masks or about that, that was coming from parents, that was coming from adults, and the kids were the ones that were just putting their heads down, doing what they had to do because they wanted to play basketball. So I was very grateful to see that season come to a head. Um, and then being able to cap it off with the conference championship for the first time in seven years was pretty awesome to be a part of. I think we hosted a regional final game for the first time in I don't know how long. Um, and then as part of the media, it was it was fun to see the culminating event. Trav, I think you had mentioned it last weekend that despite the non-conventional way of the regular season, the state tournament felt like a state tournament. It really did. And then just the overall being able to watch a lot of games via the streams, that was pretty fun throughout the year. You know, I should mention, uh, I, I forgot to when I introduced you guys, but a reminder that Mark Miller is in the Wisconsin Basketball Coaches Association Hall of Fame and a uh, longtime fixture in the state. Norbert uh, won the WBCA Media Person of the Year Award a, a few years ago. And uh, Colton's claim to fame is that he is the winningest coach in state history at the varsity level in terms of winning percentage, minimum one game coached. As he stepped in uh, as the head coach, as the Hornets uh, one at Lancaster this year when uh, when head coach Brian Pauls was out for that one. So uh, I should have mentioned Colton winning his coach in state history. How's that feel? Oh, splendid. One and oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's all downhill from here. That's the Correct. only bad thing. All right, guys. Uh, great stuff as always. It was fun to look back and, and put a bow on, on this season. You know, final thoughts on, on, on my end is is just that uh, it, I, I think everything really exceeded my expectations on what I thought this year could be like uh, in terms of the number of games that were played over nine, uh, almost 9,000 varsity games played in the state of Wisconsin. Over 90% of the teams ended up playing this year. Uh, we got a, uh, a couple of state tournaments that were outstanding that um, were at venues and locations and environments that, that were well beyond what I thought we were going to be looking at for a while there. Heck, even the fact that we had state tournaments, I, I think, was not a uh, not a certainty in October, November, even December. Um, so to get to the point that we did and to have a, an incredible experience at the end with the state tournaments and no teams having to, to be removed because of uh, shutdowns at the state tournament level anyway, um, very small number of teams had to be impacted during the playoffs in general. It was a, a huge success during a very challenging time in a very challenging atmosphere, obviously. And, uh, and, and we certainly thank all the, the people that made that happen, the, the staff at the WIA, the schools, the coaches, the administrators, the officials, uh, the, the players, the parents, everybody that, that stepped up to the plate and in many cases made sacrifices to make it happen deserves a big round of credit. Also want to say a big thank you to all of the, uh, the folks that, that read what we do at WSN and, and follow us. Um, and buy subscriptions especially. Uh, you know, a, a big thanks for, for joining us once again as we tried to provide uh, you know, outstanding coverage once again in a very difficult situation. Um, hopefully you like some of the things that we did this year. The, the streaming list I think was a, a big success, uh, putting that together for people to be able to find games very easily. We'll look at expanding that in, in some other sports and continuing that going forward as well. But uh, that'll, that'll do it. Our, our basketball coverage will continue. If, if you're a hoops junkie, uh, don't, don't turn us off now. Uh, don't turn the TV off now because it will continue very soon. Uh, we'll have uh, some additional content coming out, some off-season 
uh, club and AU type previews, uh, some some further information on this season. Uh, there's going to be start uh, start to be some coaching changes that'll come out that Norbert and Mark will be keeping everybody abreast of. And before you know it, we'll uh, we'll be right back around talking about high school hoops uh, getting ready again next year. It'll be on us very quickly. Uh, but in the meantime, we will uh, have full coverage of this alternate spring schedule, alternate fall schedule, as it were, that's uh, already started with uh, volleyball and football teams, uh, uh, some of them anyway, around the state getting going. And then the traditional spring sports firing up in uh, in April and, and into May. Uh, so it's going to be a busy time. Uh, it's it's going to be good for us. We would certainly take busy uh, right now compared to where we were at uh, almost exactly this time last year. What what day was that, Norb, that we had things shut down? It was March 12th or 13th, something like that. Uh, Norb's on mute right now as he's trying to chime in. but um, I believe it was the 12th. Okay. I'm correct on that. So almost exactly a year ago that, that, we, uh, that we had to unfortunately pass along the news that the state tournaments had been canceled, sectional boys tournament, uh, sectional finals canceled as well. We're, we're very happy to be in a place where we are now with high school sports. Uh, that'll do it for now, though. We'll, we'll be back with more podcasts going forward. We'll kind of switch gears, get into some of the uh, alternate fall uh, topics in, in football especially. Got a great one lined up for next week. We'll be talking to some of these coaches that are uh, playing football in the spring and get their thoughts and perspectives on how things are working, what challenges it provides, and, and how they're making things work for their kids. But uh, until then, for Colton Wilson, for Norbert Durst, for Mark Miller, I am Travis Wilson. This has been a Wisports.net podcast. We'll see you at a game.